thanks so much for being with us this weekend. We're especially glad you're joining us. If this is your first church experience in a long time or first time ever, and if you're new or relatively new, we have a free gift to thank you for being with us today. Simply text the word WELCOME to 410-216-5534. And if you're here in the, on Ridgely Road in the sanctuary, you can simply stop by the Welcome Center on your way out of church today, and we'll be happy to give you that gift. We are in the fifth and penultimate week of our series, Rooted in Wisdom. We've been looking at the book of Proverbs. Proverbs are terse, profound, time-tested pieces of wisdom. They are terse, very short, but in just a few words, they pack a punch of wisdom, and they are time-tested. They have lasted for generations. Uh, the Proverbs we're looking at through the course of this series are over 2,500 years old. So for 2,500 years, people have found wisdom in these words and helped them succeed in life. Uh, a couple weeks ago, or a few weeks ago, Brian talked about Proverbs when, on the uh, topic of feedback. Then uh, a couple weeks ago, Daniel talked about Proverbs when it comes to the tongue or our speech, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Last week, we looked at just one proverb, Proverbs 4.23, which says this, above all else, guard your heart, for from it flows the wellspring of life. Today, we're going back to look at a few different proverbs on one specific topic, and I'll hold you in suspense no longer. We are looking at the topic of money. Now, before you tune me out, either literally online or here in the sanctuary, let me just say this. We do not want anything from you today. We want something for you. So this is a message to help you win with your money, to win both temporally here in this life and forever in your eternal life, to win physically and spiritually with your money. Now, I, I love talking about the topic of money in church. It is kind of funny, though. I remember last time I talked about it, uh, so a guy in my small group came up to me and said, my wife, she came up to me and she says, I feel so bad for Tom. They make him go out there and talk about money. Father White makes him talk about money. And I just started laughing. I'm like, I love talking about this topic. And I, you know, and I think I was realizing in pre preparation that I love talking about difficult topics in church. Uh, last month, I talked about death. This month, I'm talking about money. I think next month I'll talk about sex. So there we go. There's a trifecta. <laughs> Just kidding. We canceled that series. We're, we're doing something different now. Um, so in any case, uh, I, don't, I don't mind talking about money in church. And as I said, I am passionate about it. I'm passionate about it for, for two reasons. Number one, some of it comes out of my own regret that what I'm talking about today, I wish I had heard when I was younger, especially in my, my teenage years or 20, in my 20s and taken it to heart because this is just really good, sound wisdom and advice and I, I just didn't know about it uh, when I was younger. So I wish I had heard that and I really feel like if I had known some of these Proverbs and, and taken them to heart, applied them, then I might have saved me some regret and mistakes that I have made with money. Uh, so if you're in your teens or 20s, I really do hope you'll pay attention. Even if you don't think this really applies to you, I promise you, do, it, you it does. And the sooner you, you take it to heart, the better off you will be. Uh, even if you're not in your teens or 20s or a little further along, I think there's some good sound wisdom and advice that you're going to hear. Or, or maybe you just need, need to be listening to this for the sake of your children or grandchildren. So one, one reason I, I like talking about church, uh, talking about money in church is that, and these Proverbs is that I think it saves some people from regret. The second reason is I really have seen people get switched on for Christ when they've connected the dots between God and their money or finances because money is a spiritual issue. And I know countless people who, when they've connected the dots, 
have really gone to a whole new level in the relationship with God. One example is my good friend Brian. Brian heard a stewardship weekend many years ago. On a stewardship weekend, he heard us talk about how God owns everything and we are stewards of what God has given to us. And just in this instant, this one moment, he felt like the Holy Spirit was just palpable and present to him. He realized he needed to put this into action. He made a commitment to start being more intentional in his giving. And Brian would tell you, as he told me in an email to me, he said, look, as a result of that, I felt, again, just God's presence more. I became in a more personal relationship with Christ. And he, as a result, he felt more, uh, he, in his business, he came to more greater success and joy as he embraced that principle. Last night, just last night, I had someone come up to me and say that um, they, when they started giving or started taking these things to heart, it really changed their life. Their they had so much joy. They'd grown up in a communist country, so they came for opportunity here in this country, and they definitely had joy in being able to you know, purchase things, but their greatest joy came in, in giving back to God. So I just see people getting switched on to God uh, with this topic. So we're going to look at four different areas that Proverbs addresses when it comes to our money and finances, and I hope you will find one application, just one, that you can apply to your own financial situation. So first proverb we're looking at is from Proverbs 27. It says this, Know well the condition of your flocks and give attention to your herds, for riches do not last forever. Can I get an amen to that? Riches do not last forever. They seem to just flow away, don't they? And so uh, Proverbs, which is said, was written in a largely agricultural society, agrarian communities, it talks about monitoring your money by knowing well the condition of your flocks. So in that time, you need sheep or cattle or goats. And so they're saying, you, if you want to be pay, you need to be paying attention to your wealth. And one of the primary ways to do that is by knowing the condition of your flocks. So for us, the kind of modern equivalent would be to have a budget. You need to be knowing where your money is going, right? Because it isn't static. Riches don't just last forever. It's why we call it currency. It's constantly moving. It's constantly changing. And so the modern equivalent for us is you need a budget. And you need to be knowing where your money is going. And a budget is telling your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. All right, so that's the first proverb. Another one says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of your produce. So Proverbs tells us to trust in God, put our faith in God in every area of our lives. But the first place it tells us to start is with our money and our finances. It says, honor the Lord with your substance, with your money, and with the first fruits of your produce. So again, an agrarian culture, what does that mean for us today? Well, the first fruits of your produce, we say this at Nativity, make giving to God a priority in your budget. Make it the first uh, gift, first thing you do with your money to give back to God and honor the Lord with your substance or to give back a percentage to God, keeping in mind the biblical standard of the tithe or giving 10% back to God. So Proverbs tells us to do this and it's a little counterintuitive. And then look what Proverbs tells us. Honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of your produce, then you'll be dead broke and there'll be no money for you. That's not what it really says in the scriptures, but that's often how we think. 
And in the natural, that makes sense. You give to God first and you're not gonna have anything left for you. And so we're, we're very nervous about giving to God first. But this is the promise of Proverbs. It says this, honor the Lord with your substance and the first fruits of your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Proverbs tells us, no, it's not that if you give to God first, you're not gonna have anything left for you. Instead, you'll have plenty You'll have enough, and your vats will be bursting with wine. You'll have enough food and drink. And wine in the scriptures is usually a symbol of joy. Like, like the couple I, I talked about last night who came, again, this, came from a communist country and began seeing the joy of giving back to God. When you give back to God and give to God first from your substance, you will know a joy that this world cannot give. All right, moving on. Another proverb says this, wealth hastily gotten will dwindle, but he who gathers little by little will increase it. So these next two proverbs we're looking at are on the importance of saving, of saving, of, of, of putting some money aside for the future. And it tells us this, that wealth hastily gotten will dwindle. When you just get a big lump sum of money, often it dwindles away, it goes away. Uh, we see this all the time in our culture and society. Uh, lottery winners, people who win these huge chunks of money wind up declaring bankruptcy. Uh, research shows that if you win the lottery, actually, and, and win a big, huge winnings in the lottery, your chances of declaring bankruptcy actually goes up. Uh, a, bunch, a few years ago, ESPN did a 30 for 30 called Broke, and it looked at how uh, these athletes would get these big, huge contracts and then would wind up being broke afterwards. Uh, I think the statistic was uh, in the NBA, 60% of NBA players three years after they retired were broke. Uh, NFL, it was even higher, 78% were broke a few years after retirement. They got these, these big checks, but then it dwindled away. And so Proverbs tells us, gather money little by little. That as you learn to save, it's a little bit, a little bit, a little bit over time and keep on saving and keep on saving, your character grows and matures to be somebody who can handle wealth responsibly. Another proverb says this, precious treasure remains in the wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it. Again, the importance of saving. The wise person has treasure remain in his or her household. The foolish person devours it. The foolish person spends it as soon as they can. The foolish person, money is always burning a hole in their pocket. Uh, so you need to know, are you a spender or are you a saver? Now, I'm a spender. Okay? I, I, I've learned very on that I, I will foolishly devour my money. It will burn a hole in my pocket as soon as I get it. That's just, that's who I am. Uh, I have two sons that are working uh, in high school right now, and two, they're both working at Chick-fil-A. They both started working at, a, at exactly the same time about a year ago, and I can look at their bank account. I know clearly who's the spender and who's the saver. And to my one who's the saver, I just, or who's the spender, I said, look, you just need to know you are a spender. And so you need to trick yourself into saving money. Otherwise, you will just spend it. It'll go away. And I thought he was pretty smart right before vacation or about six weeks before vacation. He said to me, Pop, can you start taking money out of my bank account and putting it aside so I will have money for vacation? And he did. And so uh, he tricked himself into savings. So if you are a spender, 
You need to trick yourself into saving. All right, last proverb we're looking at, and then we'll look at a little bit of application. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. So Proverbs is telling this, that when you borrow money, you lose some of your freedom for the future. Right? Borrowing and being a you know, debt is not, doesn't make you bad, but it does limit your freedom. Because once you borrow money today, you got to be paying it back in the future. And so you don't have enough, as much freedom in your budget, in your finances to do what you want to do in the future. So some practical application for us today, you know, is, is one, people would say, don't borrow money on a depreciating asset. What's a depreciating asset? Well, something like if you borrow all the money you need to buy a car, as soon as you drive it off the lot, it is depreciating. It's losing value. Uh, another way you can be borrowing money for a depreciating asset is when you get a credit card and then you don't pay it off. If you took that money and you spend it on something you don't have anymore that, or it's going down in value, it's a depreciating asset. Uh, in college, this was one of the things I did that is just not wise. So I'd go out and I had a credit card and I would go out and go out, get, go out with friends, buy food, get something to eat and drink, and then I wouldn't pay off my credit card at the end of the month. Now I'm paying interest on something I don't even have anymore, a good time I had before. So Proverbs says, be wise when it comes to debt. Uh, my son Gus was asking me about buying a house. He just started, started saying, what, what would be your, 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 your thoughts on that? And I said, here's a mistake I made. When you go to buy a house, do not borrow everything the bank wants to lend you. Pull back off of that. And he's like, well, are banks bad? I said, no, they're not bad. They're doing what they're supposed to do. They, they lend money, but you need to be wise enough to know that if you borrow all that they will lend you, you're going to be house poor. And that's, you know, don't, don't do that. So be wise when it comes to borrowing. Don't borrow money on depreciating asset. Don't borrow so much money that it makes you house poor. You don't have freedom to do what you want to do in the future. So I believe Albert Einstein said this. Somebody questioned me whether he really said it, but it was on the internet, so it must be true. So it must be Albert Einstein. But either way, it's a great quote. Compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. He who understands it earns it. He who doesn't pays it. Right? So when it comes to interest, there are those who earn it and then those who pay it. Uh, as Pastor Annie Stanley at North Point likes to say, you got to make a decision. Are you one of the people that earns interest or do you pay it? And those last two sets of Proverbs are encouraging us. Be the wise person who earns interest and not someone who pays it. All right, so just in summary, know what you have. That's what Proverbs tells us. Give to God first. Pay yourself second. Live within your means. After the last mass, someone says they like to say live beneath your means. And I think that's good wisdom as well. So let me just give one briefly on each of these, one brief application that might be for you today. Know what you have. Right, if you do not have a budget, or if you haven't looked at your budget in a long time, because it is always changing. I, not too long ago, I was realizing my budget is really very different than it was before. If you don't know what's in, if you don't have a budget, it might be time to put together a budget. Again, if you're in your teenage years or early 20s and you're in college and you think, I don't need to do that yet, please, I'm telling you, you do. The sooner you do it, the better. And start training yourself to be thinking to know where your cash is going, your cash flow get together, put a budget together. It could be an Excel spreadsheet. There's tons of software out there you can find or, you know, websites out there. Put together a budget. All right, give to God first. 
For some of you, this is the action you need to start taking. You need to know what you are giving back to God if you're giving God from your substance and need to start giving to God first. And here is my dare. Actually, I I double dare you. I triple dog dare some of you today (laughs) to tithe or give 10% of your your paycheck back to God the next time you get paid. And I I dare you to see what God does as a result. Am I promising you a ton of money going to come in? No, I'm, I'm not promising that. I don't know what God will do with it, but I believe, and I believe, believe, believe God will do something great with it. You will know his presence in a way you did not know before. Now, if you're feeling the presence of the Spirit to do this and a push to do that, that means God's in it. If it feels a little scary, God is in it. Now, you might even be pushing back to me. Tom, you lied. You said you were not asking for any money from the church. I did not lie. Don't give it to Nativity. Give it to another church. Give it to a ministry that has blessed you. Give it to a mission that you think honors God. Give it somewhere else. I really, I want this for you to see what God will do. All right. Pay yourself second. For some of you, it's time to start thinking about, am I saving enough for my future? Uh, Again, if you just started out in the workforce, you might think, oh, I got time. I can start putting away money later. No, 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 no. Do it now. Let compound interest work for you. Start putting money aside for your retirement now. You open up a 401k or 403b or Roth IRA, but start saving in that way. Um, Maybe if you're a spender, you need to start thinking of something concrete to be saving for. Saving for a car or saving for a house or saving for your vacation. Whatever it is, be saving. Make sure you're putting some money away for your future self. And then finally, live within your means or beneath your means. Some of you listening to this message are tempted to borrow some money right now. And what I want to encourage you to do is just pause, pull back. Because again, our culture, it will push us into borrowing and thinking we need to borrow. It it, it just will. It is the, the wave of the culture. But I would encourage you to pause for three days or a week. Just pause and pull back. Because one of two things might happen in that time. One, you will see that God will provide. That God will provide the very thing you think you have to borrow money for. And God wants to show you that he will provide for you, that he is a God of provision. He is Jehovah Jireh who provides for your needs. Or you might pull back and you might pause and say, you know what, what I thought was really a need is a want. And instead of borrowing some money, I'm going to go back and I'm going to save for that. And then I'm gonna, it's going to feel so much better when I've paid for that in cash. For some of you, it is now time to get out of debt. You've been living in debt, and it's now time to, to, to run after that, to clear, get yourself free and clear of debt so you can live in the freedom God wants you to have. So know what you have. Give to God first. Pay yourself second. Live within your means or live beneath your means. Um, Guy I know that's, again, very successful. has been money. He just wrote back to me after the last and said, you know what? It really is that simple. So again, I know people who have been successful when it comes to money and possessions have found this to be helpful. Now, if all this sounds a little overwhelming to you or you're not sure where to start, we have a, a team that helps coach people when it, so they'll win with their money. So you can go to churchnativity.com slash money, churchnativity.com slash money, and you can sign up and we'll have a coach just help you. Um, give you some, uh, some counsel, some coaching on maybe what your next step needs to be so that you can win with your 
money. So we talked about some proverbs, some words from proverbs from scripture, some sayings from scripture when it comes to money and possessions. Now the world has its own proverbs or sayings about money. I mean, some people say money makes the world go round. And I don't believe that. I don't think you believe that. We really believe that it's God's love that makes the world go round. Some people say cash is king. We don't believe cash is king. Cash is crucial. Christ is king. Christ is king. And he wants you to succeed in every area of your life, including your money and possessions. So take these words to heart today, whatever application you need to be. Because as you, I really believe as you take God's words to heart, you will see God involved in your money and your finances in a way that will bring joy and peace to your heart. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for these words of wisdom. We thank you that they're over 2,500 years old, but people in, in, in every generation since them and all different cultures have seen the value and the wisdom of these words. So God, we help us to take these words to heart. Send your Holy Spirit to know what we're supposed to do with this message. And God, most of all, I pray that we would know your presence, your power, your provision in our money and finances. We pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen.